Chapter 1 of A Series of Lessons in Raja Yoga. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Uday Sagar. A Series of Lessons in Raja Yoga by Yogi Ramacharaka. Chapter 1 The First Lesson the eye in india the candidates for initiation into the science of raja yoga when they apply to the yogi masters for instruction are given a series of lessons designed to enlighten them regarding the nature of the real self and to instruct them in the secret knowledge whereby they may develop the consciousness and realization of the real i within them they are shown how they may cast aside the erroneous or imperfect knowledge regarding their real identity until the candidate masters this instruction or at least until the truth becomes fixed in his consciousness further instruction is denied him for it is held that until he has awakened to a conscious realization of his actual identity he is not able to understand the source of his power and moreover he is not able to feel within him the power of the will which power underlies the entire teachings of raja yoga the yogi masters are not satisfied if the candidate forms merely a clear intellectual conception of this actual identity but they insist that he must feel the truth of the same must become aware of the real self must enter into a consciousness in which the realization becomes a part of his everyday self in which the realizing consciousness becomes the prevailing idea in his mind around which his entire thoughts and actions revolve to some candidates this realization comes like a lightning flash the moment the attention is directed toward it while in other cases the candidates find it necessary to follow a rigorous course of training before they acquire the realization in consciousness the yogi masters teach that there are two degrees of this awakening consciousness of the real self the first which they call the consciousness of the i is the full consciousness of real existence that comes to the candidate and which causes him to know what he is a real entity having a life not depending upon the body life that will go on in spite of the destruction of the body real life in fact the second degree which they call the consciousness of the i am is the consciousness of one's identity with the universal life and his relationship to and in touchness with all life expressed and unexpressed these two degrees of consciousness come in time to all who seek the path to some it comes suddenly to others it dawns gradually to many it comes assisted by the exercises and practical work of raja yoga the first lesson of the yogi masters to the candidates leading up to the first degree above mentioned is as follows that the supreme intelligence of the universe the absolute has manifested the being that we call man the highest manifestation on this planet the absolute has manifested 
an infinitude of forms of life in the universe, including distant worlds, suns, planets, etc., many of these forms being unknown to us on this planet and being impossible of conception by the mind of the ordinary man. But these lessons have nothing to do with that part of the philosophy which deals with these myriad forms of life, for our time will be taken up with the unfoldment in the mind of man of his true nature and power. Before man attempts to solve the secrets of the universe without, he should master the universe within, the kingdom of the self. When he has accomplished this, then he may and should go forth to gain the outer knowledge as a master demanding its secrets, rather than as a slave begging for the crumbs from the table of knowledge. The first knowledge for the candidate is the knowledge of the self. Man, the highest manifestation of the absolute, as far as this planet is concerned, is a wonderfully organized being, although the average man understands but little of his real nature. He comprises within his physical, mental, and spiritual makeup both the highest and the lowest. As we have shown in our previous lessons, the fourteen lessons and the advanced course. In his bones he manifests almost in the form of mineral life. In fact, in his bones, body and blood, mineral substances actually exist. The physical life of the body resembles the life of the plant. Many of the physical desires and emotions are akin to those of the lower animals, and in the undeveloped man these desires and emotions predominate and overpower the higher nature, which latter is scarcely in evidence. Then man has a set of mental characteristics that are his own, and which are not possessed by the lower animals. See 14 lessons. And in addition to the mental faculties common to all men, or rather that are in evidence in a greater or lesser degree among all men, there are still higher faculties latent within man, which, when manifested and expressed, render man more than ordinary man. The unfoldment of these latent faculties is possible to all who have reached the proper stage of development, and the desire and hunger of the student for this instruction is caused by the pressure of these unfolding latent faculties crying to be born into consciousness. Then there is the wonderful thing, the will, which is but faintly understood by those ignorant of the yogi philosophy, the power of the ego, its birthright from the absolute. But while these mental and physical things belong to man, they are not the man himself. Before the man is able to master, control and direct the things belonging to him, his tools and instruments, he must awaken to a realization of himself. He must be able to distinguish between the I and the not I. And this is the first task before the candidate. That which is the real self of man is the divine spark sent forth from the sacred flame. It is the child of the divine parent. It is immortal, eternal, indestructible, invincible. It possesses within itself power, wisdom, and reality. But, like the infant that contains within itself the sometime man, the mind of man is unaware of its latent 
and potential qualities and does not know itself as it awakens and unfolds into the knowledge of its real nature it manifests its qualities and realizes what the absolute has given it when the real self begins to awaken it sets aside from itself those things which are but appendages to it but which it in its half-working state had regarded as itself setting aside first this and then that it finally discards all of the not i leaving the real self free and delivered from its bondage to appendages then it returns to the discarded appendages and makes use of them in considering the question what is the real self let us first stop to examine what man usually, what man usually means when he says i the lower animals do not possess this i sense they are conscious of the outer world of their own desires and animal cravings and feelings but their consciousness has not reached the self-conscious stage they are not able to think of themselves as separate entities and to reflect upon their thoughts they are not possessed of a consciousness of the divine spark the ego the real self the divine spark is hidden in the lower forms of life even in the lower forms of human life by many sheets that shut out its light but nevertheless it is there always it sleeps within the mind of the savage then as he unfolds it begins to throw out its light in you the candidate it is fighting hard to have its beams pierce through the material coverings when the real self begins to arouse itself from its sleep its dreams vanish from it and it begins to see the world as it is and to recognize itself in reality and not as the distorted things of its dreams the savage and barbarian are scarcely conscious of the i they are but a little above the animal in point of consciousness and their i is almost entirely a matter of the consciousness of the wants of the body the satisfaction of the appetites the gratification of the passions the securing of personal comfort the expression of lust savage power etc in the savage the lower part of the instinctive mind is the seed of the eye see fourteen lessons for explanation of the several mental planes of man if the savage could analyze his thoughts he would say that the eye was the physical body the said body having certain feelings wants and desires the eye of such a man is a physical eye the body representing its form and substance not only is this true of the savage but even among so-called civilized men of today we find many in this stage they have developed powers of thinking and reasoning but they do not live in their minds as do some of their brothers they use their thinking powers for the gratification of their bodily desires and cravings and really live on the plane of the instinctive mind such a person may speak of my mind or my soul not from a high position where he looks upon these things from the standpoint of a master who realizes his real self but from below from the point of view of the man who lives on the plane of the instinctive mind and who sees above himself of the higher attributes to such people the body is the i 
Their eye is bound up with the senses, and that which comes to them through the senses. Of course, as man advances in culture and civilization, his senses become educated and are satisfied only with more refined things, while the less cultivated man is perfectly satisfied with the more material and gross sense gratification. Much that we call cultivation and culture is not but a cultivation of a more refined form of sense gratification instead of a real advance in consciousness and unfoldment. It is true that the advanced student and master is possessed of highly developed senses, often far surpassing those of the ordinary man. But in such cases, the senses have been cultivated under the mastery of the will and are made servants of the ego instead of things hindering the progress of the soul. They are made servants instead of masters. As man advances in the scale, he begins to have a somewhat higher conception of the eye. He begins to use his mind and reason, and he passes on to the mental plane. His mind begins to manifest upon the plane of intellect. He finds that there is something within him that is higher than the body. He finds that his mind seems more real to him than does the physical part of him. And in times of deep thought and study, he is able almost to forget the existence of the body. In this second stage, man soon becomes perplexed. He finds problems that demand an answer. But as soon as he thinks he has answered them, the problems present themselves in a new phase, and he is called upon to explain his explanation. The mind, even although not controlled and directed by the will, has a wonderful range. But nevertheless, man finds himself traveling around and around in a circle and realizes that he is confronted continually by the unknown. This disturbs him, and the higher the stage of book learning he attains, the more disturbed does he become. The man of backlidal knowledge does not see the existence of many problems that force themselves before the attention of the man of more knowledge and demand an explanation for him. The tortures of the man who has attained the mental growth that enables him to see the new problems and the impossibility of their answer cannot be imagined by one who has not advanced to that stage. The man in this stage of consciousness thinks of his I as a mental thing, having a lower companion, the body. He feels that he has advanced, but yet this I does not give him the answer to the riddles and questions that perplex him, and he becomes most unhappy. Such men often develop into pessimists and consider the whole life as utterly evil and disappointing, a curse rather than a blessing. Pessimism belongs to this plane, for neither the physical plane man or the spiritual plane man have this curse of pessimism. The former man has no such disquieting thoughts, for he is almost entirely absorbed in gratifying his animal nature, while the latter man recognizes his mind as an instrument of himself rather than as himself, and knows it to be imperfect in its present stage of growth. He knows that he has in himself the key to all knowledge, locked up in the ego, and which the trained mind, cultivated, developed, 
and guided by the awakened will may grasp as it unfolds knowing this the advanced man no longer despairs and recognizing his real nature and his possibilities as he awakens into consciousness of his powers and capabilities he laughs at the old despondent pessimistic ideas and discards them like a worn-out garment man on the mental plane of consciousness is like a huge elephant who knows not his own strength he could break down barriers and assert himself over nearly any condition or environment but in his ignorance of his real condition and power he may be mastered by a punny driver or frightened by a rustling of a piece of paper when the candidate becomes an initiate when he passes from the purely mental plane onto the spiritual plane he realizes that the i the real self is something higher than either body or mind and that both of the latter may be used as tools and instruments by the ego or i this knowledge is not reached by purely intellectual reasoning although such efforts of the mind are often necessary to help in the unfoldment and the masters so use it the real knowledge however comes as a special form of consciousness the candidate becomes aware of the real i and this consciousness being attained he passes to the rank of the initiates when the initiate passes the second degree of consciousness and begins to grow into a realization of his relationship to the whole when he begins to manifest the expansion of self then he is on the road to mastership in the present lesson we shall endeavor to point out to the candidate the methods of developing or increasing the realization of this i consciousness this first degree work we give the following exercises or development drills for the candidate to practice he will find that a careful and conscientious following of these directions will tend to unfold in him a sufficient degree of the i consciousness to enable him to enter into higher stages of development and power all that is necessary is for the candidate to feel within himself the dawn of the awakening consciousness or the awareness of the real self the higher stages of the i consciousness come gradually for once on the path there is no retrogression or going backward there may be pauses on the journey but there is no such thing as actually losing that which has once gained on the path this i consciousness even in its highest stages is but a preliminary step toward what is called illumination and which signifies the awakening of the initiate to a realization of his actual connection with the relation to the whole the full sight of the glory of the eye is but a faint reflected glow of illumination the candidate once that he enters fully into the eye consciousness becomes an initiate and the initiate who enters into the dawn of illumination takes his first step upon the road to mastery the initiation is the awakening of the soul to a knowledge of its real existence the illumination is the revelation of the real nature of the soul and of its relationship with the whole after the first dawn of the eye consciousness has been attained the candidate is more able to grasp the means of developing the consciousness to a still higher degree 
is more able to use the powers latent within him to control his own mental states to manifest a center of consciousness and influence that will radiate into the outer world which is always striving and hunting for such centers around which it may revolve man must master himself before he can hope to exert an influence beyond himself there is no royal road to unfoldment and power each step must be taken in turn and each candidate must take the step himself and by his own effort but he may and will be aided by the helping hand of the teachers who have travelled the path before him and who know just when the helping hand is needed to lift the candidate over the rough places we bid the candidate to pay strict attention to the following instruction as it is all important do not slight any part of it for we are giving you only what is necessary and are stating it as briefly as possible pay attention and follow the instruction closely this lesson must be mastered before you progress and it must be practiced not only now but at many stages of the journey until full initiation and illumination is yours end of chapter 1 the first lesson the i part 1 recording by uday sagar